Well, it really is good to share, and share in a church that is already supportive of Tear Fund. But, uh, I'm relatively new to Tear Fund, but I have spent a third of my working life working with an organisation that sent Christian books to Africa, and I've had the uh, privilege of going to Africa on a number of occasions myself. So it is very much in my heart. Tear Fund doesn't just work in Africa, of course. Um, but, uh, we will be looking at uh, an African country shortly. But, uh, before I start, just want to, uh, well, the kids have gone out, but we can have some fun as well, can't we? But, uh, let's have a bit of a quiz. Um, how many historians in the room? But, uh, good. But, uh, raise your hand. Don't shout out. Keep, keep the number to yourself if you think you know what it is. But but uh, if you know the year that Boeing first introduced the 747, raise your hand. No? Oh, yes. Uh, the year that the first the Ford Escort was introduced onto the market, replacing the Ford Anglia. Some of you may even have had one. The year that the first unmanned spacecraft orbited the moon? Football fans, this is the year that Manchester... And this is over my head. The year that Manchester United won the European Cup final, becoming the first English team to do so. Finally, for the gardeners, it was the first... The year that the first episode of Gardening World, Gardener's World. Now then, who got who got the night the year? Shout it out! Wow! Did someone read my notes? <laughs> well done. Yes, 1968. What's the relevance of that? You might ask. Well, it was also the year that Tear Fund began. In 1968. This is the year that Tear Fund began, 50 years ago. 50 years. Well, we read in Leviticus 25 that the 50th year had a great significance scripturally as well. It was the year of Jubilee. According to the law, the 50th year was to be the year of Jubilee. In essence, the year of Jubilee was a a year of restoration. A restoration of a good way of life in which God had intended for his people. So property was uh, restored, slaves were set free, debts were forgiven. It was a year of restoration. And that's something very much which Tear Fund is um, focusing on this year, a year of restoration. And it's been a wonderful time, that 50 years. Gainer, you haven't been quite involved in 50 years, but a lot of it. (laughs) These last 50 years, Tear Fund and others, of course, have seen countless individuals and communities across the world experiencing restoration, freedom, equality, justice, just as God intended for his people. Do you know, in that 50 years, the number of people living in extreme poverty across the world has halved. Isn't that extraordinary? We think it's an escalating problem. But the number of people in 50 years across the world living in extreme poverty, that's less than £1.55 a day, which is pretty extreme, 
has halved. We've seen millions lifted out of material and spiritual poverty. And Tear Fund's only been able to do that through the support of local churches like yourselves. It couldn't have done it on its own, couldn't have done it with government handouts. It's through the support of local churches, and it's through the support of and the partnership with local churches on the ground in these countries that it does what it does. Tear Fund only works with churches across the world to bring not only physical relief, but spiritual transformation as well. And at Tear Fund, we believe that an end to extreme poverty is possible. We won't stop, Tear Fund won't stop, until poverty stops. Jesus said in John 10, verse 10, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And he didn't just say that to the church in Fivehead. He ch- said it to the church in Democratic Republic of Congo. He said it to the church in Malawi. He said it to the church across the world. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Now, I don't know about you, I'm, I'm quite sure there are a lot of you here who have had children, maybe have grandchildren, maybe looking forward to having children. But when I had children, I've got four children, I've got three grandchildren, I know I don't look old enough, but I have got four children and three grandchildren. And when I was bringing up my children, if they were unwell, I expected to take them to the doctor. If they were hungry, I rustled up some food. We've already spoken this morning about what other, what other countries their expectation of a meal might be. When it came to education, it wasn't, Sandra and I didn't scratch our head and wonder whether we could afford to give them an education, whether they would get an education. We looked at Ofsted reports. We looked at the local churches, we decided, uh, schools, we decided which was the best education for them. As they grow out of clothes, we expect to buy new ones. We expected them to have a hope for a future. We had plans. We had dreams. We expected a degree of security for them. We expect our children and our grandchildren to thrive, not just survive. We expect and we hope that they will thrive. Yet, as I've shared earlier, 10% of the world's population, this is far from their experience. For them, life on £1.55 a day is not a question of thriving. It's merely a question of surviving. Imagine putting your children to bed at night, hungry. Imagine your children waking up in the morning, not having enough energy because they don't have enough food to go to school and get an education. Not having enough medicines if they get sick, to make them well. A life revolving around survival, not thriving. Yet that was not God's intention, was it? That's not God's intention for us. It's not God's intention for them. He intended that people should thrive, not just survive. Anything less is not God's will. He said in Luke 4, 17, the spirit of the Lord 
is on me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. I don't know about you, but sometimes it's possible to think that this is too enormous a problem. 10% of the world's population, such a huge number. What can I do? What can you do in Fivehead to effect a change uh, with such a huge problem? And is it my responsibility anyway? We can dream up all sorts of excuses, wars, corrupt governments, this, that and the other. Yet, One of those hard scriptures, and it's always challenged me, and it challenged me to actually leave uh, my um, profession, which is uh, the law, and to work with a charity sending Christian books out to Africa. It challenged and encouraged me to take that step, this scripture, which says, if anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need, but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Some scriptures you wish were in the Bible, don't you? You know, you just wish you could put them under the table. But they're there. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need, has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Yet I heard one, someone once say that it is better to light one small candle than to curse the darkness. It is better to light one small candle than curse the darkness. And we read this, don't we, in the, that wonderful passage in John 6 and the feeding of the 5,000. Jesus asked, or they asked Jesus, where shall we buy bread for all these people to eat? He asked only to test Philip, for he had already in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, eight months' wages would not be buy enough bread for each to have a bite. I wonder, is this how we feel about the injustice of those who are surviving and not thriving? Is this how we feel about the injustices in the world? What can I do? Eight months' wages would not do enough. What can I do? Yet Jesus took a boy's five loaves and his two fish, and the miracle followed. We all know the story, don't we? Jesus came to give life spiritual life, eternal life. He was concerned for the spiritual and eternal welfare of all men. You know, there's a, and a proverb in, in Chad which goes like this. Hungry people have no ears. Meaning those who are starving, those who are meaning simply surviving, can only think of their next meal and where it is coming from. Hunger robs people of their dreams, their aspirations, their ambitions. It robs people of the life which Christ came to give them. It ruins their self-esteem. Poverty isn't just a matter of a lack of material possessions. Poverty is a lack of self-esteem. Anyone who has been in debt or been unemployed know that it's not just a means, a lack of finances, It is a lack of your self-esteem, your sense of self-worth. And that is what poverty robs people of. Imagine a life without those things. Imagine a life without dreams, without aspirations, without hope. 
It's a pretty bleak prospect, isn't it? Tearfund, working in areas of the greatest need and in partnership with local churches, seeks to help people escape from this poverty. Both physical poverty and spiritual poverty. Poverty robs, but through sustainable development, in partnership with local churches, by providing education and training, Lives are restored, bringing hope, dignity, and opportunity. You know, as churches in the UK, we might not be able to affect the whole problem, the whole of these nations that are suffering these problems, and we, we read it, uh, we see it on the, on the TV all the time, don't we? You might not be able to affect, change the whole of these problems, but we can be part of God's transforming work by transforming the lives of individuals who make up communities. So as we transform the lives of individuals, we transform communities. And as we transform communities, we transform regions. And as we transform regions, we do transform nations. But it starts with transforming the lives of individuals going to look at a film shortly uh, about a country called the Democratic Republic of Congo. Now, I was amazed why I found this. It is, this country is the size of Western Europe, which is amazing, isn't it? It's the, no wonder it's difficult to govern. It's bad enough governing the UK, isn't it? But uh, Western Europe Yet it's one of the poorest nations in the world, but has some of the richest resources in the world. 87% of the population of the DRC is below the poverty line, is living in extreme poverty. 87%. Can you imagine 87% of Western Europe living in extreme poverty? It's mind-blowing, isn't it? But we're going to watch a film now, I hope, of an example of an individual life transformed through the work of Tear Fund with the support of churches like yours, which goes on to transform a community. So I'll let the film speak for itself. We believe restoration is available for everyone. Motivated by the relentless love of Jesus... We're helping individuals and communities unlock their God-given potential and discover that the answer to poverty lies within themselves. In the 50 years since we started, working alongside local church partners, we have seen millions of people across the world released from poverty. People like Burundi. My name is Birungi. I am from a village in the rainforest of the Democratic Republic of Congo. It is a country full of potential. But after years of fighting, life is hard for families. And it is especially hard for girls. My family has always been poor. 
When I was younger, I had to stay at home to look after my little brother and sister. I wanted to care for them, but I really wanted to go to school. I knew that if I studied hard at school, I could get a job. But school was too expensive. My uncle had about a skill center supported by Tiafan's partner. All are welcome, even children who have never been to school. When I heard there was a place for me, I was so happy. They told me how Jesus offers freedom to everyone. I qualified and got a sewing machine to start a dressmaking business. I started earning. I then saved for a better sewing machine powered by pedals. I then saved more to buy a piglet. I sold the adult pig and had money to buy a calf. I'm now saving for more cows. When I sell my cows, I will be able to buy land or a house. When I'm sewing, I feel empowered. I wanted to be set free. And I was. Without my training, I would still be at home without even enough food to live on. I would be suffering. I thank God for this work and how Tiafan support set me free. Birungi has overcome extreme poverty. She has a hope and a future restored to her and is now a role model in her community. But 87% of people in the Democratic Republic of Congo still live below the poverty line. Too many lives around the world remain broken. We believe an end to poverty is possible and we all have a part to play. We won't stop. We won't stop. We won't stop until poverty stops. Until poverty stops. Will you join us? It's encouraging, isn't it? It's a Burundi living in this remote village in the rainforest. She couldn't uh, read, she couldn't write, uh, and her future was really determined by those things. She had no future other than that which was determined for her. uh, But not through handouts, um, Tear Fund was able to fund her basic education and give her a skill, and she was able to work her own way out of that poverty. Now she, is, she has a craft, she has a business, she is able to trade, and she is able to be a role model for others in that community. And that commu- uh, Birungi's community is now taking those lessons to the neighbouring communities. And so it goes on. To Baringa grew in her faith and understanding of God. And she says, God's word says that we are all equal. Now, women in, in the DRC in particular are unequal. If, there were, if a family has money to spend on education, which is rare, the girls are not the ones to get it because they are a second class. To, so Barungi was helped out of that poverty as well. Her eyes had been opened to God's, her God-given potential. You know, in Romans 8 we read, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. 
The spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought you brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. And as God's children, we are all loved by God. And Burungi now, because of the help that Tear Fund was able to give her, is experiencing that. And she has dreams and plans. She hopes to get married, not to an older man simply because of the dowry, but out of, because she loves that man. And she'll have a family, and she'll be able to support that family. She'll be able to educate that family. And it has a spiral effect, bringing people out of poverty. In Luke 4, we read... As Jesus read from Isaiah 61, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. He finished by saying, today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. He declared jubilee for all peoples. And so God is calling us, the church, forward to meet the needs that still exist in our fragile world, head on, to bring restoration where there is brokenness and to be a channel of his relentless love in everything we do. So he speaks these words in Isaiah, over us and the church today. And we say the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon us because the Lord has anointed us to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent us to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness to the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And a Birungi said, without my training, I would still be at home Without enough food to live on, I would be suffering. No hope, no dreams, no self-worth. This could have been Burungi's future, but for Tearfund and the partners, their partners. But instead, Birungi is a successful businesswoman, and she's viewed differently by herself and by her community. She now has options. Yet there are other women in other communities in the DRC who need the same. In Tearfund's 50th year, Tearfund has a vision to see 5 million people restored from material and spiritual poverty. 5 million people. And it's achievable. We know that this vision is impossible, but with the support of churches like yours. So I'd like, please, on behalf of Tear Fund, just to ask you to consider your response as individuals and as a church. As individuals, you've each been given a response form. The truth is that £12 a month would enable two women like Burungi to escape the trap of poverty, to be trained and to be given the ability to have her self-worth restored. £12 a month would train two people like Birungi. 
It's amazing, it's so little, isn't it? You might not be able to afford £12 a month. Anything would help. To accept this invitation and start transforming lives today, all you need to do is complete one of these forms. If you haven't got bank details with you, and I don't carry mine, or if you want to consider this as a family when you get home and rather than do a, a response now, still complete one of these. There's a details in there with your information, and in the coming week, some very nice person from Tier Fund will contact you and will talk you through the, the remainder of the details. But if you, if you feel you, you'd like to, but you don't know what, or you haven't got your full details, still complete one of these and hand it to me, and Tier Fund will do the rest. To, in a moment, we will show a short slideshow while, while you do that. But the truth is that the, um, the United Nations themselves, this isn't just Tier Fund's optimistic, bold claims, the United Nations have said that this generation, our generation, could be the generation to see extreme poverty eliminated in the world. It is achievable. It is achievable. We can do it but we can only do it if we act and if we use the resources that God has so blessed us with in our wealth, our relative wealth, to bless those who have so little.